There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I'm joined by actress Sinead Matthews. This is a super chat. Um, I was really thrilled to get to sit down and talk to uh, Sinead. Um, her performance in uh, Jellyfish absolutely knocked me sideways. And uh, and it was at that point that I thought, I'm going to reach out to, to her and see if... Um, she'll come and talk and I'm so glad I did because she was absolutely delightful and as you're about to find out um before we get on with this chat I should just say thank you to Scroobius Pip and all of my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network um a big thanks to 76 for producing this podcast and if this is your first time listening uh, to Off The Beaten Track then um when you've finished enjoying uh, this episode, why not go and have a look in the archives? Because there's 150 plus episodes now with um, some amazing um, actors, actresses, comedians, DJs, musicians. Um, go and have a rummage and I guarantee there'll be something there that you'll go, oh my God, I'd love to hear what they had to say about the, the records that soundtracked their creative journey for uh, today. And also, um, if that's not enough, then I do also put up standalone radio shows, um, videos and such over on a Patreon uh, page to support this podcast. So you can um, access that as well. Um, and you can find out about all of this, basically, at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Back to today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Sinead Matthews. Listen up, I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range. And it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. 
Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. And we're recording and sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Sinead Matthews. Hello. Hello. How you been? Yes, I've been good. I've been, I mean, life's a bit crazy, isn't it? Everything is upside down and, you know, um, yeah, like lockdown has been a bit of a roller coaster. Um I'm like some good things, some not so good things, but we've moved house as well. So we've been doing lots, um, I'm like lots of stuff like to the house. Like, so that's yeah. kept us busy well, uh, because I think otherwise I might have gone out of my mind slightly. Yeah, totally. I, 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 I've just had to, I mean, this podcast has been the one thing that's kind of just kept my brain moving and it's just, yeah. just, just a little kind of distraction from the enormity of, of what's going on. But what about um, creatively, uh, Sinead? What's, you know, yeah. obviously it's impacted on, on your industry hugely. Like, hugely, yeah. I mean, hugely actually and I've been through this weird like emotional and like roller coaster like with that because when lockdown um first happened I was in rehearsals for a play and it was such an amazing company to be a part of and and we were at the very beginning of rehearsals and I could already feel like it was going to be quite uh, quite a special job and then obviously lockdown happened And, um, like, I kind of went through this period of going, well, I don't want to be a part of it, like, anyway. So it was like a kind of, like, I'm going to turn my back on this now because I don't know, like, I can't really, like, explain it, but it was like a type of grief, I guess. Like, I just, like, kind of went, well, I'm probably better off without the industry and I'll probably end up doing something else. I might train as like a therapist. And I went on this total different path of like, well, I don't need it. And then in fact, as lockdown went on, I realized what um what a huge part of my life it is. And it's a huge part of me. And like in so many different ways, especially theater. It's like it's like my community. But I think what you you know what what you said there was like you know you thought right well I'm gonna turn my back on this and 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 do something else I think I think that was quite commonplace that everybody had this initial sort of knee jerk reaction to you know a scenario that none of us had ever found ourselves in and was right well okay well I mean my, my industry you know is 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 events and stuff and that will come to a yeah. stop so I was like okay right so. Um, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to train to be something else. And it, and it, and it was that yeah. kind of thing. Well, I've got to rethink this now. And, and I think obviously with time, you know, and I, I, I love to use the term new normal, but you start to adapt, don't you? And then all of a sudden these yeah. things, you think, oh, well, you know, something will happen, but might just not be in, in the sort of formula that I'm accustomed to, but you know, and I, and I think you yeah. just start to kind of relax a little bit from them initial sort of knee jerk thoughts. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, my God, totally, because as well, like, I went on this whole, um, 
yeah, like I'll retrain, you know, to be like a therapist. And it's probably, I'm like, I will be happier, you know, because I won't be dealing with this endless rejection the whole time. You know, and that's the, like the difficulties uh, with my industry is that there are incredible highs. And then there are these like, you know, really bad lows. And it's quite often to do with rejection. And you build up this rhinoceros skin, but inside you've still got to stay like open and sensitive. And I think just before lockdown, I was slightly disillusioned, which I think happens to everybody because I've been doing it now for nearly 20 years. So, you know, like I was always going to hit that point, but I think it coincided with lockdown. Yeah. You know, but I was thinking, well, I feel a lot happier, like without it. Yeah. But I think I was like the actual reality of not having it like part of my life hit me quite a bit later. But I have been doing some writing, which has been, really cool actually just kind of like writing stuff that has kind of been in my head for a long time but I just never have the time to sit down and do it so I have been doing that oh excellent yeah well should we talk records yeah okay Sinead what's the song with the greatest ever intro well it's got to be Baker Street by Gary Rafferty okay yeah. So, was there any other considerations, or did you just go straight in with that? Well, what's funny is when I first started to think about it, immediately that one came into my head because of the nostalgia that's around it for me. Um, because as soon as the, like, as soon as that song comes on the radio and I hear that intro, I'm immediately transported back to maybe like the age of about eight or nine growing up in Australia and and like a sense of like like we just moved there and um and it just kind of it just like it's so difficult to explain how nostalgia feels like to someone else because yeah. that nostalgia happens between you and the song. But I just can't yeah like the wave of nostalgia that I get that's directly linked like to the introduction of that song yeah. and the saxophone and everything and then I was like oh well I can't say that one because it's a bit obvious yeah and then I thought well so many Fleetwood Mac songs have like incredible introductions yeah. like Sarah and um and like Little Lies and Everywhere and and then actually quite a few of the songs like that I had chosen for this also have great intros. <laughs> Do you know what? It, it, that's a theme that that sometimes I like that we'll get to sort of track four or five and they'll say something. I just think don't overlook the fact that that's got an incredible intro as well. And that could quite easily have been like your number one yeah. choice. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah. I, you, you touched on nostalgia and obviously nostalgia you know, plays a big part in this, this podcast, you know, as, as, as you look back upon, you know the records that have, have have meant a lot to you. Um, what what's your kind of sort of take on nostalgia? Because when I speak to, um, I, I guess when I speak to musicians that um, are, are maybe 
going back and like touring that album from that, you know, like some bands go and play the, their, their greatest album from 1990, yeah. whatever. And, and some, some artists are like really strange with nostalgia and are kind of like, no, no, it's all about what's coming next. And like, um, I just wonder what your kind of take is on nostalgia. Do you think as a, as a, you know, as a creative, you know, you, you should, you should give, you know, your, your, your fans that, that moment back. You know, if you go and see, you go and see Madonna, which I did, I went and saw Madonna and I got yeah. three hits and the new album. And it was like, come on, you know, I want the hits. Yeah. Like, Well, it's funny because in terms of what I do, like as an actor, and it's interesting you saying that because lockdown has given us all so much time to like think about stuff and to deal with a lot of stuff that maybe we didn't have time to deal with and we've like pushed it to one side and um and lockdown for me has been like so such like just the time to be so appreciative of the work that I've done so in terms of like plays that I've done or films that I've done and I have gone down this, you know, but plus also with moving house, I had this um, huge, like, delivery of things from a flat that I lived in seven years ago that's been in my mum's loft. Right. And I haven't seen this stuff. And I'd forgotten that most of the stuff was even there. And that was like a trip down memory lane, you know, going over... You know, because I am a bit of a hoarder. I keep hold of cards. I'm like, I can't throw that away because, like, it will mean something to me, like, years later. And, like, if I have children, like, they can learn something about me through that card. And and then, so with plays that I've done, um, like, I have been, like, posting quite a lot on social media, you know, like, memories from certain shows that I've done where at the time... It has been an enormous challenge and, you know, but it's been worth it. Like it's been an absolute, you know, are we going to get through this? This is an enormous show. Like I'm like, people are fighting, but at the heart of it, like was this like artistry. Yeah. And sometimes I think to make art, you have to have like a battle. There has to be some kind of a push and pull. And so I've been actually going over old shows and going, my God, that was an extraordinary experience that I got to be a part of. And at the time, it was hard. And, you know, I was really, like, challenged in different ways. And then looking back on it, there's just that feeling of, like, yeah, we did it. And actually, it's stayed with people. You know, for example, like the Complicité show, Master and Margarita, we did that for about a year and it was such a full-on experience and I nearly left the show quite early on and then I nearly, you know but then I nearly left it again halfway through the run because I was being challenged in ways that I'd never been challenged before and and now looking back on it uh, like eight years later the feeling that I'm left with is actually a sense of achievement. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I like nostalgia. Having said that, you can't focus too much on the past, yeah. can you? Because you'll never get, like, anything done. Completely. If, if you're just living in, I mean, I could very easily just live in a world of, like, nostalgia because it, 
I don't know, like, yeah, like it makes me feel a certain way, but it's too tempting. Yeah. You've got to like snap out of it. Completely. It's nice to, <laughs> it's nice to wallow in it every once in a while, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Sinead, I want to know what the first record was that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. This was, um, this was a hard one actually, because so my dad is from Belfast and um he was brought up in the troubles he's like one of 10 and they were the first refugee family to come to coventry from belfast during the troubles and a lot of them came like some of his brothers came over to work you know to get work on the building sites and and growing up like i grew up in a house that had and like that had a lot of irish music so like at family parties like everyone had their song and they were, you know, like the Wolf Tones, the Dubliners, songs like Joe McDonald, Sam Hall, all these like passionate songs that were written from a place of trauma mm. and experience. And I used to see my dad, you know, he'd have a couple of songs that he would sing. One was Carrick Fergus and one was from Claire to Hear. And he could never get through it without, you know, crying. And oh, really? Yeah, like there was this link and they were all like that. Like, so all my aunties and all my uncles, it was a huge part of their life and their experience. And I remember my dad trying to share it with me when I was about 14 and he was quite drunk and he came into my bedroom and he dragged in the CD player and he put on this, like, rebel song to try to, like... I was half asleep. I was like, like, what are you doing? Like, and he was so in it. He was so lost in this moment. But then I quickly realised that it's... that the music had the same effect on me that it did on him. Yeah. And it was like I'd inherited something from him and I didn't experience what they experienced. And yet, when I heard these songs and when I heard my aunties and uncles sing and, like, when I watched these videos, I used to react exactly the same way. And that was from an early age. And it was from Claire to Here because I think as well, the song is, like, such a simple... It's such a simple way of storytelling. It's... Like, the version that I like is Paddy Riley, just because his voice is so searing or, I don't know, and it's so rough. And um, and it's just about man had to leave, like, Ireland and come over here and work on the building sites and actually the struggle with leaving his family and the, the reality of what that is and living in, like, a studio, like, above a pub, like, at the time, probably, like, living in a bedsit not really having much going on. And that song, just the simplicity of the storytelling, and it's just always, yeah. So I guess that type of music has always been a part of my life. And in a weird way, I've inherited their trauma. If I think that's too strong a word, but do you know what I mean? Passion. Their passion. And it's kind of inside me like it's inside them and I think that's an incredible thing to inherit actually um that 
and that when you're at a funeral, like how you show your grief is to sing together yeah. and, and, and to just like to mourn. Um, and even now, like when I hear that song, it does actually break my heart. And I'm just like, I don't know. Yeah, I just feel so connected to yeah. it. It's a beautiful record, and I'd not heard that version oh. until you sent it over, and I went and found uh-huh. it and had a listen. Yeah, it's incredible. There's something about his voice, isn't beautiful. there? And, Absolutely beautiful. Um, oh, good. I'm glad that you liked it too. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. So while we're talking about these kind of formative years, um, yeah. for track three, Sinead, I'm going to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. So I'm going to go to my school time in Australia because I think that was most, um, I don't know what the word is, but it was just, it's just, yeah, like, and like it's those years of when you're becoming a teenager, I guess, and everything is so intense. How did you end up in Australia then? So my parents, they emigrated over when I was seven because some of my uncles were there. And so my dad was a tiler, which was perfect for over there. So we had a trade. Um, yeah, so we emigrated. Um, yeah, and so it's that time when friendships are so intense as well. And I remember us being, so I had this group of like girl mates and we were at my friend's house, Lisa, and she lived kind of in the bush. She lived a bit further out. And I remember her walking me into her living room and there was a few of us there. And she went, you've got to hear this record. And uh, and there was a box of records of, uh, like, of her dad's. I think before this, I'd been listening. I hadn't really heard anything like this before, actually. And then she played The Doors and... I think we were like 10 or something. That's heavy music for a 10-year-old, isn't it? Yeah, it was heavy, but we were quite heavy. I mean, like, we were quite like, we went there as well. Like, we went all in. So we became 
like they're super fans. Mm. If they were still going, like we probably like would have got our parents to like drag us to all the concerts and but this one song, um I'm like uh, yeah, the one song I, I, I'm like I'm like called LA Woman, um kind of really uh it just kind of like reminds me of those days because it was just so sexy and fun, you know, like at that age. Yeah. And like, we just became obsessed with Jim Morrison and we watched the film and then we thought that Val Kilmer was Jim Morrison yeah. and that was a confusing for ages, <laughs> obviously like not, but, and then we just got really like into the doors and then through the doors, we got into like seances and stuff and it all became about like, yeah, like witchcraft, and and we were at a um, like a Catholic school, a Catholic primary school, run by nuns in Perth, or you know Australia, and we were trying, you know, like we were like sneaking off into the corner of like the library, like to do seances and stuff, and my friend would be there, like pretend to be possessed by the devil, and we would like be stood <laughs> there, she'd like flick her eyes back. And at the time, she was possessed by the devil. It's almost like the crucible. You know the crucible, the play? And how the girls are, like, so caught up in this stuff. It was like that. And and so I kind of associate the doors with that time. And and we got really badly busted because we tried to do, like, a seance at this at like um, like this girl's house and her mum found us and we thought that we saw the glass move and we screamed and we threw the glass into the sink and it smashed but it was like utter like escapism yeah and just wanting to believe in something else that's bigger than us yeah and we got that through the doors and that song is just incredible yeah LA woman why I don't know if like Kids don't. It was a rite of passage, it felt like, when I was growing up, that as a teenager, at some point, you and your mates done a Ouija board. It was just a thing that was like, you've got to do it. And, like, I mean, my kids are, like, 18 and and, and 15. And, I mean, not that they'd probably tell me anyway, but I've never – I don't think they even know what the word Ouija board means. Like, I've ever even heard it because it was just – it felt like it was one of them things. And, it, and again, it would have been around probably the time when the, the Doors movie come out that, yeah. you know, obviously, like, he uh, he he kind of um, does the dirty on, uh, is it Pam? I can't remember what he's Pam, saying. that's yeah. right. Like, with that white witch. Yeah. That woman. Uh, yeah, totally. And, like... And, and they, like, share blood and stuff, yeah. don't they? And, and I always remember just thinking... The White Witch one looked like way more fun. Like I just thought that yeah, looks way more weird. interesting. <laughs> well, that's what we were like. And like we kind of, you know, plus it's that time as well. It's just like, who are you? And like you're finding out so much about yourselves. And like we were just like, that's what we want to be. And that's what we want to do. And it's just, and we loved being scared. We mm. loved that feeling, like that rush of, of oh, my God, we're, you know, like we're in touch with the dead. Yeah. And and at different points, we would all, well, pretend. I mean, at the time, it was like it was real. Yeah. But looking back now, 
I mean, who knows, really, you know, but we went in pretty deep and we got busted and brought into Sister Carmel's office and we were, like, in tears because it was, like, a massive no-no. But it came through the doors and that song, like, it's just, like, like, the doors were, like, my like rock and roll like my introduction to rock and roll yeah and to like like rebelling yeah and not and like and like the you know being like a hippie yeah like like that was my like I discovered it then and kind of stayed with me a bit the impact that film had like on on alternative music culture it, it you know the the the, the doors were a kind of forgotten band, really. You know, for, oh, really? For, for, like on a mainstream level. You know, they yeah. you know, obviously they, they they had a lot of hits and stuff. But I think that film just reignited everybody's interest, and and you know, so yeah. many people. I mean, I, you know, I knew a few Doors records, but that film was was a gateway for me to just think, wow, there's some incredible stuff. Fast forward six months, and and we're going to Paris, walking around the Père Lachaise, trying to find his gravestone. And, uh, yeah, exactly. And the, the, when, I was lucky that when I saw it, he still had the, the, the bust of him on it, because they, 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 oh. they've removed that now, because people kept but, trying yeah, because, to steal it. Yeah, yeah, because I was going to say that, because when I got all this stuff down from my mum's, I was going through all these photos, and me and my friend went travelling. Well, we, like, I, I'm like, we tried to. Like, it didn't, like, really work out. Like, we went to Paris... And I was like, I've got to go see Jim's grave. Yeah. And I'd seen all these amazing photos of all the of all the graffiti, and like Crazy, all the candles, and I thought that it was going to be like this amazing shrine. And I got there, and it was just clean, and, no and there was way. nothing there. Yeah, it was complete. Like they cleaned it. I reckon I went in about ninety three. Maybe yeah. 90, 92, 93. And the minute you get in there, there was like just spray painted arrows with things like the lizard king is this way, follow the snake and stuff like that. Okay. And there was all of this kind of, because I think Oscar Wilde's buried there as well. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was also stuff like people were, like, were spraying like Morrissey lyrics, like pointing towards Oscar Wilde, which was bizarre. Like, don't you think, oh, Oscar Wilde's kind of earned his own stripes, you know, this isn't a homage to Morrissey, this is, this is Oscar Wilde, but yeah. Hello, I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So, if you want to hear the songs... Just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. So how was, um, aside from... um, uh, witchcraft how was school <laughs> did you enjoy it yeah I have to say I was a bit of a dreamer actually like I, um yeah like I loved um like my friends and I loved being at school and I loved kind of going to school in Australia but then when we came over to Coventry that was quite a different experience and 
and like coming back to Coventry from Australia because because kids grew up quicker here. How, how old was you then? You know, when you come I was back to thirteen. Oh, so right in the middle of sort of secondary school. Yeah, and you know, like obviously, like I had you know, the whole attraction to boys had started. Like, that was a huge part of my life, actually. Like, just, like, boys. Like, just, like, I had to... I don't know, like, just that thing of, like, just what that was and how do you, like, connect with boys. And and so that had started and I, you know, had built up good friendships with boys and I had kind of gone out, like, with, um, like, a boy. But when I came over to Coventry... It was like a whole other kettle of fish. Like you had to kiss, you had to, you know, like do stuff. You there was this pressure to suddenly be very physical with boys. Yeah, and I felt slightly like, you know, that was. And plus, actually, like I love Coventry, but when I think back on my school days in Coventry there was very much a feeling of that if uh, that if you achieved too much, you were full of yourself. Yeah. You were getting above your stations. Uh, but I think that that's common, isn't it, really in certain common. hometowns? Yeah. And I think, um, you know, some lessons I was good at, but I was kind of more into, like, music and dancing. I used to dance, dance from an early age. So I was more into like the expressive movement, like, and still a bit of a daydreamer. Like I did like classes, but I liked having fun and I liked hanging out with boys and hanging out like with my mates. So I wasn't um, like, I didn't realize that I wanted to become an actress straight away. So I was a bit lost. Like, Did you know what you wanted to be at school? I wanted to be a dancer, but I wasn't good enough. My mm. dance teacher told me to try drama. Wow. Which I thank, yeah, which I thank her for now. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah. So I loved school, but I wasn't academic. Like, I wasn't – I was just more into – I don't know. Yeah. Was you, was you a confident kid? Okay, so this is interesting, yeah, like, because I was moving around a lot, so I went to school in Coventry until I was seven, and then I went over to Australia, and I went to four different schools in Australia, so I was constantly the new girl. So does that bring, Um, that brings attention, right? Like, constantly, I couldn't get away from it. Um, So when I first came over to Australia, I was, like, the pommy girl, the stinking pommy. I was kind of, um, yeah, I get a lot of attention. And um, I always had friends and stuff, and I was confident. But I... Yeah, would yeah, like I went to four different schools there, and then when I came back to Coventry, I was a stupid like, like a stupid like um a stupid a stupid Aussie girl yeah. or like a kangaroo, and so I was constantly out of place actually. So you so didn't was, you didn't like that attention. I found it quite um. 
you can't really hide from it because and then because I came to high school in Coventry in like the second year friendships had already formed and actually like I'm like I never really lost that like identity of like the weird new girl (laughs) um and it's not that I didn't like it, but I didn't really lap it up because actually it caused a lot of attention and sometimes in like a not so good way. Sure. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So I did like school, but I liked kind of other things better, yeah. <laughs> other things more. What was the first record you bought, Sinead? I... Thinking about this, I was trying to go back to it, and I do think it was the album Use Your Illusion 1. Right. By Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And the song that stands out the most for me is November Rain. Yeah. And I just think it's the most dramatic song. Yeah. And it really, like... And I actually... So in order, you know, like for me to try to connect yeah. with like kids at school, I used to find out what music like they were into, yeah. especially boys. Yeah. So there was this one boy called Bo and I really liked him. I mean, that's a I cool was, name. I know, right? And uh, he was really into Michael Jackson and Guns N' Roses. And I was like, if I can get really into Michael Jackson and Guns N' Roses, then he's going to really like me. Yeah. And it worked. It totally worked. Brilliant. <laughs> it's so creepy. It's actually really creepy. And so I went away and, like, you know, like, looked them up. And, like, obviously, like, Michael Jackson, I was already obsessed with. Yeah. And then Guns N' Roses, I was like, these guys are cool. Their music is, like, fucking brilliant. Even, like, their, like, slow songs. And then November Rain came out and it had everything. The most over-the-top ridiculous video you'll ever see as well. And I re-watched it just recently. <laughs> and one of my favourite moments is when Slash, he leaves the church and he goes out and he just breaks out into that incredible solo. With the guitar that's not plugged in. <laughs> With the guitar that's not plugged in. And his legs, it looks like he's about to do the splits. And his hair is like, you know... And then she dies at the end, doesn't she, Axel's wife? Well, I can tell you a little bit of backstory on that video. Really? I interviewed the director of it, who made who made lots of Michael Jackson videos and made Faith for George Michael. He, he was just oh, he'd wow. done so many amazing videos, um, and uh, and I got chatting to him and for for, for the podcast, and I, I said like, um, oh, I see you've done some some Guns N' Roses videos. And he was like, yeah. And I was thinking, please tell me you've done November Rain. He went, yeah, I've done November Rain. I thought, fuck me, you made this video. So Amazing. the whole setup there, that church, that church yeah. is on, on wheels, right? And they use that in like, it's in, it's in Young Guns. It's like, it's on wheels, but like they want any kind of old type church. They just wheel it in, like in, in the desert, wherever that was. The band turned up for the video two weeks late. Not two hours, two weeks late. What, the band? Yeah. What, Guns N' Roses? Yeah. None, none of them were talking to each other because they thought that this was all 
like Axel's ego this video. And like yeah. and they were all just like, This is just bollocks. It's like it's so ridiculous. And he and Axel was like, Listen, it's gonna be huge. Bear with me. And they were like, yeah. so none of them was talking. He said it was one of the hottest days you've ever experienced. There was no aircon in this thing. When he gives him the ring and fucks off, yeah. that's him going home. He literally fucked off. He's uh, had enough. Yeah. And uh, so what you see there is him going. Just and, going. Uh, yeah. What I love as well, just quickly, is that like what I read into that moment is that Slash was in love with his wife-to-be and that he just can't be there. So he leaves the church and his way of expressing how he feels is through that (laughs) (laughs) So It's totally like... I mean, that would be a really good way to live your life. I think next time I have a row with my wife, I'm just going to go out in the garden and just play guitar solo to the (laughs) neighbours. Exactly, because he can't express himself any other way. Of course. So he's like... I was like, that's what I read into it. The outcome of Axel's bizarre idea to have this huge momentous video was back in the day they used to do MTV premieres of like music videos and I can't think how many copies of Use Your Illusion have been sold. Say for argument's sake, it was 10 million. Yeah. After that video dropped on MTV, sales of that album trebled. Like It was just wow. the best I'm marketing not thing. Like... So, Axel's ego was right after all. Yeah, and like he knew that it was going to be like amazing because yeah. the video is like a film in itself yeah. and it is so full on and over the top and it has got everything. Like, yeah, it's got to be November Rain. It's the benchmark of over the top rock pomposterie, isn't it? It's like there's no yeah. way you can go after that. November Rain hit the ceiling, it's like, right, that's it. That yeah. box is ticked now. You can't beat that. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because actually, weirdly, like another video that springs to mind is obviously Meatloaf's. Of course. Um, I would do anything I, I, for love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it still doesn't match November Rain. No. But it's got a similar vibe. Hasn't yeah, it? a lot of like, drama. I'm down through like a chandelier or something. Yeah. She's up in a. A chandelier. Oh, that's a great song. See, I love all those big rock anthems, yeah. like ballads. Well, let's talk about clubbing. Um, for track five, Sinead, the song that soundtrack your years in Clubland. Okay, so I think I started going clubbing when I was like fifteen in I'm like in Coventry, and the song that uh, when I hear now just takes me straight back there is let me be your fantasy by baby d so good that record oh my god yeah and i'm just i'm right back there walking into the club it's dark i've i'm like probably hammered like already um there's just people dancing, there's lights, and you just escape yeah. everything. And it's just about the music and dancing. Oh, it's, and, it's incredible. Like, it's such, a, it's such a brilliant track. And, yeah, and, like, I just think about, you know, because my clubbing days didn't really last that long because I kind of went back to, like, indie 
Yeah, I mean, but, uh, see, I do say that, um, you know, all of my clubbing was in indie clubs, so this isn't necessarily, it, you know, it doesn't all have to be kind of sort of chrome-laden, sort of, you know, glossy yeah. nightclubs. It can be sweaty little indie clubs as well, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, these, um, like the sort of clubs that I was going to at 15 are not the places where you want to be going at, like, 18. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? you kind of it was just but it was like that first experience just going out and actually just the effect and like the alcohol like has yeah. on you and and it was just I don't know it was just total like escapism and you could almost become someone else yeah you could take on like a vibe a feeling I don't know. It's so difficult to try to explain, but that song, "Let Me Be Your Fantasy," is just like, and it also like reminds me of like having parties like at home or yeah. like having parties at like my mate's house, and just like the possibilities. Yeah, best times. Um, and like the same with like insomnia, like yeah. facelift. It's just like, euphoria, isn't it? It's that euphoric kind of them them records. I've got something that, that creates that sense of euphoria, I think. It is euphoria. And, like, you're kind of, like, at that age, I was craving it. I was craving something else. Mm. Like, and I think, yeah, yeah, and it's that, like, you lose yourself in it. You're not, yeah. you don't have any inhibitions. <laughs> That's mm. the alcohol as well. But, you know, you're just, like, you're just so in the moment as well. Like, that's what that music does to you. Totally, totally. Do you know what? About three years ago, I, I, um, I'm a club promoter, so I, I, I put on a, a retrospective club night and I booked Baby D. Did you? And, uh, and she was absolutely delightful. She was so lovely. And, and she went out on stage and I thought, I wonder what her voice is like now. Sinead, it's, it was off the scale. It was so good. <laughs> And that note at the end where she sings, I'll take you higher. Oh, yeah. my gosh. She hit that. And I just see about a 1,000 people just roar. Like, it oh, was, wow. it was, it was stunning. <laughs> oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, okay, for track six, I'm going to ask yeah. you to tell me a favourite song from an artist from your home county. So, well, I guess you've got all manner of places to choose from there. Where are you going to go? Yeah. Well, where I'm going to go is I'm going to go with Ocean Colour Scene. Okay. Um, because it was kind of the beginning, I think it was 96, well, 95. I think the song came out in 95. And my dance teacher told me to actually go to another college in Stratford-upon-Avon because she could see that, like, I don't know, like, she could see something in me that I wasn't aware of, and she was like, I think you need to get out of Coventry. So she sent me to Stratford-upon-Avon, where I met a whole group of completely different people. Um, and it was the start of, like, me really getting into, like, indie music, like Oasis and Blur and the Charlatans. And, it was a huge and Ocean, boom in, in British music at that point as well, wasn't it? The whole Britpop thing was just everywhere. It was, it was brilliant. everywhere. And it was a lifestyle. And it was, 
it dictated what you wore it dictated what like how you clubbed how you partied it was different to the it like it was a bit more like chilled I don't know why I'm just trying to show you how (laughs) what am I doing (laughs) anyway but um yeah so ocean color scene the day we caught the train yeah wonderful what a track and it was the start of that it was that it was yeah I started smoking weed um (laughs) it was it was just a whole different vibe and their music video was filmed in Leamington Spa no no the cover of their album mostly shows yeah yeah was uh, uh the photo shoot was in i think uh priory park or like a park that was in like lemmington spa and i was going out with a guy at the time who lived just near the park and we were all so like indie and into it and we couldn't believe that ocean color scene and had their photo shoot there <laughs> and we used to go to like this little place like where they i think it's I don't know, yeah, like a little bandstand thing. And anyway, so it's got to be the day we caught the train. And now that I'm thinking, I don't even know whether they're from there. They're from Birmingham. Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, Because, I mean, obviously... But you can can have it for Coventry, though, because Steve Craddock, not only is he in... um, Ocean Colour scene. He's also the guitarist in the specials now, so you can have it on default. That's back to Coventry. I was literally going to say, <laughs> I was going to go with the specials yeah. because obviously they're legendary and the music is incredible. But yeah. if I'm honest to myself, the biggest impact would have been Ocean Colour scene. It's you know what I mean? Completely. And, and the impact that that band had on, on people, it's like... I, I'm, I'm sort of friends with Steve Craddock. Like I met him ages ago at, at, at a wedding. It was really weird. Like and, and and ended up sort of staying in touch with him. And he done. It, funnily enough, he done this podcast a couple of weeks ago. And, yeah. And when I released it, the amount of fan forums because obviously Steve also plays guitar for Paul Weller so oh, wow so again that whole click of that kind of sort of Britpop mod kind of thing it's yeah. so diehard and the fans are just still live and breathe it and the response to that podcast in them forums and stuff unbelievable like the people are still absolutely obsessed with Ocean Colour scene and uh, well I'm glad you know mm. because yeah, you know, because it was, I mean, that song is so brilliant. Like, that, where, hey, hey, yeah. Yeah. That bit, it's just like, it's like instant. I'm back there, 16. I don't know. Yeah, it's great. And like, Oasis, like, did you watch that film? Um, Supersonic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you a fan of Oasis? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the club I run's a, a, an indie club, and and so is I, it? I, I've Where been. Is it? It's in a place called Rayleigh in Essex. It's called the Pink Toothbrush, and uh, oh, it's like it's actually the longest running alternative club in the UK. So it's kind of weird. Like it's kind of, I mean, Ocean Colour Scene played there, and 
and yeah, we've had, all, you know, and and there's a really weird interview with um, Noel Gallagher where you know at the peak of his celebrity, they asked him sort of like, you know, where where have you not played? You want to play? And he said, oh, I want to play the pink toothbrush in Rayleigh. And I was like, oh my god, he just said my club. And uh, no so yeah, desperate to try and get him to still honour that. But um, but yeah, it was it. It was such an exciting time, I think, that that kind of moment in the mid-90s with, you know, why you had to like Blur or Oasis, I don't know. You could like them both, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but but then, actually, Blur were brilliant too. But at the time, you were either Oasis or Blur. You couldn't be both. You know, I'm like, what was funny, like, about, like, that scene is I think that everyone felt that they, like, owned them. Yeah. And if everybody feels like that, like, that is such an extraordinary, like, what's the word? Um, well, it's just like it takes over, doesn't yeah. it? And it's because it, Blur were from Essex. We we kind of felt like we had to like Blur because they're our hometown boys. But yeah, you know, I always kind of preferred definitely maybe, but I felt like I weren't allowed to tell anyone. <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah, oh, I really prefer that album, but yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Final track, and you get to play DJ now, Sinead. Um, oh, yeah. A song that many may not know that you would like them to hear. Um, well, this is a song by an artist called Jordan Hunt, and the song is called Peter. Now, the amazing thing, actually, about being an actor is that you get to work with so many different people like you just like incredible actors you know brilliant designers great composers and I met this guy Jordan Hunt on a random workshop on Horrid Henry right it was this random workshop Fiona Shaw was directing it and we were trying to see whether we could make Horrid Henry the children's story into like a musical And this guy, Jordan, was doing the music and he was playing piano. Oh, hold on. Oh, it's okay. It's just the cat. Sorry. Um, (laughs) And this guy, Jordan, was playing the piano and we got really close and I just really liked him and he was cool. And then I realised that he was actually an artist. He was a singer-songwriter. And I started following him and I heard this song, Peter, And it's one of the most haunting songs I think I've ever heard. And his voice, it's so different to what he was doing in this workshop as well. Um, And this song is extraordinary. And I think that more people should know about him. I I didn't know about him until you sent me the list over. and, And I've gone and explored as much of his stuff as I could find. And his voice is so unique it's so deep and yeah. it's it's got a really lovely sort of soul to it as well it's uh, yeah. it's brilliant I mean, the videos are, are incredible as well they're incredible and actually like the video for peter it has i mean it's him with his shirt off and then a guy behind him and there's it's very simple isn't it you know like it's just him in a kind of a struggle, like a clinch with this other guy. But it reminded me of Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You yeah. because 
he gave so much. Like, he really gives his all. Yeah. And all of his songs are so personal to him, actually. Um, I haven't, like, I'm actually still friends with him. I haven't spoke to him, like, in ages. But I remember, like, I realised that I think a lot of them are autobiographical. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's just such a... It gives me goosebumps, the song. And what I'd love to do is when I finally get around to making one of my films that I've written, I'd love to, like, use him as the soundtrack. Like, I'd love, because I just think he would make incredible movie soundtracks as well. Um, Because they're so atmospheric. Well... We put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast so people can go and explore uh, his, his music now. Um, because I'll add um, some, tr- obviously, we'll add all the tracks that we've spoken about, and I'll add some more uh, from him yeah. as well so people can go and uh, go and check out what we've been speaking about. Well, Sinead, as we sort of start to wrap this up, as we um, find ourselves coming out of lockdown, it, it appears, hopefully, fingers crossed, you know, it continues to relax and, and in a safe manner. Um, what are you looking forward to about, you know, your, a, a kind of normality resuming? What, what's, what's coming up and what are you looking forward to? Well, there's not much coming up. Um, I've been auditioning for jobs. Work-wise, there's not, like, there's not that much coming up. Um, what I'm looking forward to, actually, is getting my social life back. Because I feel like my social life is so caught up in theatre because I'll go and see a show and then go to the bar after and you always bump into people like that you know. And I've realised through lockdown that without theatre, my social life has become very small. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to getting back to a time where you can just bump into someone out and have great conversations and connect with people again and be inspired by things. Um, That's what I'm looking forward to, connecting again. Absolutely. Sinead, thank you so much for giving up your time today to talk records with me. That's all right. Thanks for having me. There you go. I wasn't lying, was I? She was absolutely delightful. What a great chat. Um, What an incredible actress and can't wait to see uh, what she's in next because uh, I mean go on go online and have a look at the uh, the work that that um, Sinead's done and that's you know that's without the the theatre performances that you know that we spoke about at the beginning as well um, yeah absolute absolutely loved it it was it was so much fun chatting to her um, and yeah and I hope you've had as much fun uh, listening to it as I did recording it. Um, I'm back next time. Um, as mentioned at the beginning, why not go and explore the back catalogue? You know, go and have a listen to me chatting to Maxine Peake, um, me chatting to Michael Smiley, um, oh gosh, Sleaf of Mods, Kaiser Chief, Suede, oh blimey, the list goes on. Frank Turner, Scrubius Pip, etc., etc. Loads over there. You can find out about everything at Off the Beat and Track Podcast. Dot com. See you next time. Bye-bye. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And 
what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.